Hello, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of TheHappyMD.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Tools so you can recognize and prevent your own burnout. Stories of burnout put to its highest and best use. And wellness leadership strategies. Everything you need to be a physician on purpose. Again, Dr. Dyke Drummond here in beautiful Seattle, Washington, the home of thehappymd.com. I'm here with the latest in our Physicians on Purpose podcast. And wow, am I excited today because today we're going to name a workplace stress that is very, very difficult for women physicians to deal with and overcome that everybody will know when I describe it. But now it's got a name because of the research of my guests. Dr. Teresa Cardador, who's a PhD in organizational behavior and associate professor at the School of Labor and Employment Relations at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. And she wrote an article that I ran into, and the article is called Unpacking the Status Leveling Burden for Women in Male-Dominated Occupations. And this was published in Administrative Science Quarterly in 2022. And it's a mind blower. And Dr. Cartador, if you would, just say hi and uh, tell tell me how this particular kind of research dropped onto your radar. Okay. Well, hello. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Interesting. When you say, how did it drop onto my ra- radar? It actually literally did sort of drop onto my radar. I was contacted, gosh, way back in maybe 2021, even maybe 2020, um, by a physician who is also a co-author on the paper. She's a surgeon, Arga Gonzalez. And she and my other co-author, Patrick Hill, were both at Washington University at the time. And they had been noticing some, or she had been noticing some interesting dynamics between uh, women nurses and women surgeons in her own work and profession. And she wanted to sort of explore this more systematically through a qualitative study. And my Patrick, who was sort of the, you know, the person who knew both of us contacted me and said, Hey, would you be interested in working on this particular study? And so that began a lot of brainstorming about what the focus of the study would be. And they turned into the eventual paper that we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to be talking about stresses on female In this case, the evidence comes from female surgeons, but we've all seen this behavior in the workplace. Because when I first read this paper, I I said to myself, oh my gosh, she's named it. She's named it. I took your paper into our community, the Burnout Proof MD community, and the women on the line in our weekly coaching call just lit up with stories of the difficulty that women physicians have relating to other women who are on the care teams that are not physicians. Mm-hmm. So the setup, the setup goes like this. You are a woman in a male dominated profession. So you're breaking the mold a little bit and you're working with people on your team who are women in a female dominated profession that's at a lower rank in the organization. The classic example would be doctors working with nurses, right? In this case you took it even further, even further apart into surgeons working with nurses. And the question is, have you ever seen a female doctor have trouble relating to the nurses? 
Have you ever seen the women just not get along on the workplace and had your female physician colleagues come to you in a quiet moment? You witness it. They come to you in a quiet moment. It's extremely distressing that they don't get the respect. They don't get people to follow their orders. They get criticized. They get written up more. All of that stuff happens. And we were talking about this before we started recording, Dr. Carter, but it's like, the, the popular trope is, ah, women just don't get along. You know, they're just catty, right? Well, here's the name for it. Status leveling burden. So let's just go through the setup of what the study was, what the groups were, and what you were looking for, if you would, please. Okay, sure. So as you mentioned, this is a study of surgeons. And so everything that we report in the paper is from the perspective of the surgeons. Um, I mentioned when we were chatting before uh, we went live that we also did some follow-up research with nurses, and maybe we'll talk about that eventually. But this this study was focused on surgeons. We interviewed 45 surgeons, 28 of them, 29 of them, excuse me, were female and 16 were men. And the reason why we interviewed men as well is we wanted to see if men were observing the same things. And indeed, they were observing the same thing. So it wasn't just the the women physicians who were um, observing these behaviors. So we interviewed these 45 individuals. And what we found is, as you're talking about, we uncovered this phenomena that hasn't been talked about yet, which is called the status leveling burden. And we define it in the paper as the pressure put on women physicians. And it could be generalized more broadly to women working in male-dominated occupations uh, with women in collaborating occupations to be their equal, right? So in this case, the pressure put on women physicians from nurses to act in ways that signal that they're equal status. And so we sort of identify a model that kind of explains how physicians perceive the dynamics between themselves and nurses, how those dynamics cause them to engage in a number of behaviors that show that that demonstrate that they're equal status or try to bring their own status down so that the nurses feel that they're more comparable status and bring their own status down to that of a nurse in order to get along okay yeah. so I, i'm just going to pick this apart just a little bit now, i told you i'd be doing this is we're going to we're going to pick it apart so this was chosen as a as a laboratory model, a perfect laboratory model of the incongruity and the status of the women who were surgeon and the women who were nurses, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a case study that it probably applies to other professions, but not nearly so well. And it's about things that women physicians in the workplace have to do to lower their status in the eyes of the nurses to match. Right. Exactly. And that, that is on top of all of the pre-existing things that female surgeons have to do to raise their status and authority to the level of the men on their side of the wall. Exactly. So in the doctor cohort, the women are working really hard to raise their status up to match the male physicians because of the inherent bias there. And when they switch over and start talking to nurses, they have to actively lower their status to become part of the sisterhood. You ah. hit it right, right on the, yep, you hit the nail right on the head there. So a lot of what um, the women physicians are sort of expected to do to conform to the norms of their own male-dominated occupation, you know, being authoritative, being direct, raising their voice when it's required, um, showing, you know, that they're sort of in charge and competent and all those sorts of things. They, what our study shows is that they're less able to use those sort of 
authoritative behaviors in relationship with nurses. Um, and so that while the men can get away with or can more readily use those type of behaviors without penalty, the women physicians aren't able to do that. They also report that they feel like the nurses um, respect their authority a little bit less um, than they do their male counterparts. So, you know, it's like the typical stuff that I'm sure a lot of your colleagues have seen. Uh, nurses calling the women doctors by their first name more, being trying to be a little bit more informal with them, having, you know, introducing uh, men differently than women, maybe being a little slower to put in orders or maybe questioning things a little bit more, you know, those kinds of behaviors. So yeah, we definitely, in this particular study, we, the um, physicians talk about uh, how they think that the nurses treat the the female physicians a little bit differently than they treat the male physicians. And they have different expectations for how the women physicians can behave in interactions with them. And so you identified some behaviors that the doctors would do when they specifically were talking to the nurses. And we've all seen this, right? Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, it's sort of like, uh, it's not Jekyll and Hyde, but it's sort of like you wear one hat when you're a woman physician amongst the physicians and you have to change hats when you're giving orders to the nurses. And yeah. as a male doctor, and again, if you're not watching me on YouTube, I'm a big old white guy. So I'm like the quintessential dominant male in our society and, and in our hierarchies inside of healthcare workplaces. We see this. This is obvious to the women physicians. It's obvious at the level of the physician. And so the question that we were talking about is also how might the institution respond and again, also, how might individual, perhaps male physicians on the physician side and the physician channel respond as well? So when you when you think about the conclusions you came to in your article, what would be some institutional responses that would be appropriate once this is recognized as a phenomenon? Yeah, great question. So I think I would put them sort of in two categories, right? The first one would be sort of working within an existing system. How What things can you do to kind of lessen the burden for women? And then the second one would be more kind of systemic changes or maybe looking at things from a broader structural point of view that might be helpful. So let's talk about the first one. Working within the current situation to lessen the, the burden for women or the, the negative outcome. Um, the first thing in this, you know, seems pretty straightforward, but a lot of the women in our study just weren't prepared for these dynamics. The women physicians say that they weren't surprised, they weren't prepared for them. They had as a result of some of these pressures, had burn bridges with nurses, sort of not understanding that they needed to kind of engage in these status leveling behaviors that we talk about in the paper. And so the first recommendation that I would have is some mentoring around these issues, right? You know, either in medical school or, you know, at some point during the training, certainly at the point of entry into a particular organization, just helping women prepare for these dynamics. What are they? Why do they happen? How do you sort of lessen uh, potential for conflict in these interactions and gain the kind of cooperation that you need? So just maybe that general awareness, I think, would be would help a lot of women to avoid some of the pitfalls that are associated with the, some of these dynamics. Of course, the broader recommendation would be to sort of, you know, change the system so these dynamics are not occurring. But, you know, we're at a very minimum, I'd like to see something like that. And then similarly, or some organizational awareness around the fact that these dynamics exist for women and that they do create an additional burden for them. So as we talk about in the paper, 
engaging in these additional status leveling type behaviors with nurses requires additional time on the part of the women physicians. Some of the things that we talk about that they need to do are, you know, they often help nurses with some of their tasks. Um, So they'll clean up after a procedure or they might pull their own gloves, you know, before a surgery or things like that. They'll do some of the work that the nurses are expected to do. Um, And so we call that task helping. So they're engaging in that kind of work. They make themselves more highly accessible to nurses, you know, hanging out at the nurse's station more, you know, just being available for questions, spending more time interacting with nurses, those kinds of things. Those things take a lot of time. And some of the additional behaviors that they're required to engage in, making more friendships with nurses, being careful to be nice all the time, to sort of interact with them in a very positive manner. Uh, Those things are also emotionally effortful. Um, Not that everyone shouldn't be nice and friendly in the organization and those kinds of things. But uh, when you have a busy schedule, a lot of demands, um, high pressure situations, having an extra expectation on you that you're that you always say things in a nice way, that you're always positive and perhaps smiling when you say them, um, those things put additional uh, emotional demands on women as they perform very highly demanding work. And now they also have to do some of these other things. So another recommendation that I have for organizations is to sort of remember that, you know, this is an additional burden that um, female physicians are facing. And so if you see, you know, more write-ups coming in to women physicians versus their male counterparts, if you see uh, women physicians taking a little bit of extra time on a case or something like that compared to what men are doing, look, look a little deeper for what the causes of those are. And the status leveling burden might be one of those. Um, so let me stop with those two recommendations. I have others, but let me give you a chance to ask some follow-up questions. Well, and, and let's just, like you said, female physicians are more likely to be written up by staff members. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all sorts of gossip in the coffee room about well, who did what. And you'll see a doctor, a male doctor, get away with being curt and perhaps angry and perhaps even profane in ways that women can't even dream about. And then there's the whole the whole labeling. A doctor who's a, a male has to go pretty far to be labeled disruptive, but a woman physician doesn't have to go very far at all to get the B word on her forehead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once that gets applied, it's almost impossible to wash it off. And let's just emphasize this too, because what we focus here at the Happy MD on is about physician burnout, preventing physician burnout. Another additional energy drain for female physicians that happens naturally and automatically. Now we've got a way to understand it. It's the fact that they have to bring their status down to get the the sisterhood of nurses to recognize them. And uh, we're going to talk in just a second. You're you're doing some more research on the nurse perspective, what their perspective is here. And we can see that things are at cross purposes. This is so useful. But wait, listen to the end of the podcast because we're going to talk about what the nurses think about this. It's super, super useful. And then in our community, when we started dis- discussing this amongst a group of doctors in a safe space, our number one rule, by the way, is Vegas rules. If you're going to fall apart, fall apart here. That's our rule, right? So the question was, okay, guys, now that I know this word, it, it's not just the women don't get along or they're catty. It's like, hang on a second. I can watch individual interactions where the, the doctor is attempting to help them with their tasks, be extra so- social, super nice, 
she may talk to me in private differently than she talks to the nurses. It may be a role that, that you actually have to put on. When we witness this, or when we witness people not complying with the orders of the female physicians or slowly doing so or half-heartedly doing so, the question was, what should we do? What are what is expected of the man who recognized this? And now, now that yeah. I recognize it, this is like the end of the movie, The Matrix. I can see the numbers in the walls now. It's like I can see I can see these every single time now that you've given a name to it. And so, what we said to the women on the call was there were there were a couple of guys and six or eight women because that's the way the balance always is in a coaching community for physicians. It's always dominated by women because women are more likely to ask for help. The question was. Do you want the men to jump in and help? And all the women said, no, 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 no. If you see yeah. that, let's get together offline in a private situation and talk about it. And yeah. thank thank you for seeing it and noticing it, but please don't jump in. Yeah. Because yeah. that will just cock this all off, off kilter even further. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, you know, without knowing the details of those conversations, I, I think most of the women that I have talked to wouldn't necessarily want someone to come in and sort of, you know, fix the situation or defend them from the point of view that you're talking about. But I do think that men have a role to play in terms of being allies in this situation. Right. And in terms of the, um, I mean, I think there can be some calling out of the behavior when it occurs, but this sort of differential tolerance for male versus female behavior. And so I think you can kind of call out these gendered expectations when you see them. So you know, I noticed that you're questioning Dr. X's orders, but not mine. You know, can you tell me uh, why that, why you're treating us differently? Those kinds of things. Or I noticed that, you know, uh, you, you have a strong reaction when Dr. So-and-so uh, raises her voice, but not when uh, the other person is a male doctor is raising his voice. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Just sort of calling these things out when you see them, I think is important. Can yeah. I make can I make a quick mm -hmm. adjustment? Yeah. I'm going to say I would suspect that that would go better in the long run on the care team if I did it one-on-one -on -one in private. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes, yes. You don't want to call this person out in the middle of a procedure or yeah, right. in front of their peers and that third. Yes. Oi, yeah. Oi yeah. Kathy, what's that about? Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? The other thing too is I think because of, you know, I mean we interviewed surgeons, right? Which is a um more maybe perhaps a an extreme case in terms of the norms for being you know direct and you know authoritative in the surgical suite and that sort of thing so i think that you do see a pretty big differential between how the men behave and how the women are able to behave or not able to behave so i mean one clear recommendation would be for men to also take down their level of you know authoritativeness and the yelling that happens and the raising voices and things like that so that there's a little bit of an equal playing field in terms of how the nurses are treated by men and women. I don't know that that's necessarily feasible to do, but that that is one recommendation, you know, for the male nurses to also demonstrate some of the status leveling types of behaviors with nurses that the women are expected perform to perform. I think that would level the playing field a little bit more. But I, I don't see that happening as much as possibly some of the other recommendations. Well, and remember, you, the, you studied mostly female surgeons. If you were to have interviewed more men, you would see that their authoritative scale is sort of like a personality test, right? There are, yeah. some, there are some that are very egalitarian and very bottom up and very servant oriented and some that are bullies. 
mm-hmm. because surgical programs will just churn out bullies by the dozens, some of them. Let me just tell you one other piece here, because I recently was hired to do a coaching program for female surgical residents. And we mm-hmm. had six female surgical re- residents. And they were telling me how the OR staff wouldn't help them. Even if we had one surgical resident that was less than five feet tall, and they wouldn't put a lift. And, and when she took over the case from a tall male surgeon, they had to do some adjustments underneath the table in order for her to reach the bovi pedal and all that kind of stuff. Wouldn't do it. And these women actually would step forward to help people switch over rooms. So they would work like nurses and scrub techs switching over the rooms to get the cases on board. And I thought it was a communication problem when they first were telling me about this. And now I can see it's clearly status leveling in an inferior class of females on the surgical side of the hallway, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you were telling me that you're starting to do research from the nurse's perspective and noticing a cross, an X-shaped cross in channels. Look, we've got to talk about that. I would love to talk about that. So we are, as you suggested, um, doing follow-up research right now. I'm working with a PhD student, uh, Michelle Checkets, and she and I have done a large number, probably equal number of interviews with male and female nurses. And so everything that we talked about earlier, the physicians feeling like the nurses don't respect the women's authority as much, they don't tolerate you know, acts of authoritativeness, that sort of stuff. They expect them to engage in these status-leveling behaviors. All of that kind of stuff that from the first study is the fir- from the perspective of surgeons. So we wanted to get in the head of nurses and kind of, you know, ask a similar question. What, how are you perceiving these dynamics? How do you think about the way you interact with male physicians versus female physicians, et cetera? And so we're noticing some really interesting patterns here that are nice complement to the existing research. And one of the things that we're concluding with this study, which we're still writing up, so it's not finished yet, but is that some of these dynamics um, are possibly due to these broader issues of gender status inequality in this broader system, right? So um, I was explaining a little bit earlier that, you know, as you well know, medicine is very hierarchical. Physicians tend to have higher status in the medical hierarchy, even though nursing is a very high status occupation. It is lower status, generally speaking, in the organizational hierarchy than um, medicine. And so when you think about it, women nurses are sort of at the lowest level of the medical hierarchy, right? So if you have male physicians, female physicians, male nurses, and female nurses, because of both their gender and occupational status, women nurses are often considered kind of lower status at the intersection of both of those gender and status hierarchies. And so what the nurses are telling us is that they're often mistreated, (laughs) They're especially the female nurses, less less so the male nurses. And what I mean by mistreated is they get yelled at more than you might think. <laughs> um, they get demeaned quite a bit. They get ignored. They feel that their work is often devalued. So they make suggestions about how something should be handled and maybe it's discounted or it's not taken seriously. And so they have this perception that they that they're kind of being somewhat devalued in the system. And they also, the women, especially and the men, the men nurses see this too. Um, they both kind of feel like men have certain advantages, despite nursing being a female dominated occupation, the male nurses have certain advantages. They're respected more. They seem to be respected more by the physicians. They kind of have a, enjoy more of a buddy, buddy type relationship with the male 
doctors. Um, and so for a lot of reasons, the women nurses kind of feel that they're at the bottom of the heap in some, to, for lack of a better way of saying it. And so what our research is suggesting as a follow-up is that from the point of view of the nurses, it's not that they're trying to bring the women physicians down. They're trying to bring themselves up because so they have like a status leveling up motive, if you will. Right. They're trying to bring themselves up in a system where um, their own status needs are kind of precarious. Right. Or their own status needs are threatened. And so that that's kind of the story from their point of view is that they're, they look to women physicians who they see as kind of sharing some of the challenges that they experience in highly gendered contexts as people who might have some solidarity with them, who they can relate to on a more relational level. Um, and so they look to these women at, for sort of relationships, for support, for connection. You know, a lot of them say that they want to be treated like human beings by physicians. And so what that suggests to me is that they they kind of feel like a lot of times the physicians don't see them. They just sort of give them orders and don't really see them as people behind the work. And so I think they really look to the women physicians to fulfill some of those expectations more so than they look to the male physicians to do that. And when the women physicians don't supply them, if you will, with some of those status enhancement responses, they penalize them for that. They have higher expectations. And so there's a bigger penalty when it doesn't occur. Um, and so the reason why we think this is really important is because, as you mentioned earlier about the caddy behavior, right? I hear this all the time from men, women. A lot of them say, well, it's because, you know, women just don't get along. Right. Their women are caddy. You know how women are. They, they just, you know, they're competitive with one another. You know, it's just these sort of dynamics. And what we're showing with this sort of holistic picture from the physician and the nurse point of view is that it really isn't that. It's not that, you know, these dispositional characteristics of women that they just don't get along with one another. It's part of this broader kind of social system, right? In which these gender and status dynamics are kind of playing out in a really dynamic and complex way that shape the way women, the expectations that we have of one another and how we interact with one another subsequently. So it's just, we're, we're finding it to be really interesting set of uh, cumulative findings with respect to that. And let me just put my outside big old white guy view on this. It seems to me like it could be uh, explained something like this. When a nurse looks at a female doctor, they see another woman. They see a sister, mm -hmm. a sister who's made it. Mm -hmm. And they would hope that they could have some sort of empathetic halo or some sort of relationship as a sisterhood between them and that person. I can tell you a doctor that has to go through the entire bowels of the healthcare education system, especially a surgeon, which who did uh, four years of medical school, five years of surgical residency, a couple fellowships. They're like, I don't know, <laughs> 12, 14 years into the system. By that time, that person, no matter who they are, expects to have rank on a healthcare team, mm -hmm. expects to have rank. So when a nurse looks up to a female surgeon, they see another woman and expect something, something to pull them up. When a doctor looks at a nurse, they see a, a female nurse, they see a nurse and expect to have rank and be able to exert some of their, and I, I use the word rank rather than yeah. status because it is doctors, 
give orders. The nurse can't do anything until we write the orders. And then just me personally, yeah, if I've got a male nurse and a male doctor, we're going to be bros. Yeah. Until it comes time that I have to pull rank. And then, yeah. then it's it's a switch with just the eyeballs. It's like, I'm going to give an order. The bro is gone. We're, and, and we have that kind of a different relationship. And I'm just going to fault the co- corpus callosum because it's, 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 <laughs> it's neurofunction and all that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense that, that, um, what you're talking about, about the, the sort of bro dynamic and you, to use the term that you used, uh, between the male physicians and the male nurses is definitely something that all the nurses talk about. So they, they notice that the male physicians tend to enjoy kind of a relationship with the physicians that the female, the male physicians, that is, that the female, um, nurses don't often enjoy that same dynamic. And again, it's, it's by virtue of probably shared gender. And the, you know, lots of different gender dynamics associated with that. But with the, the women nurses want to have that same right with the female physicians, right? right? They want to have their girls club, if you will, like they perceive the boys having their own boys club. And so um, they're looking for that entry point where they're looking for the women uh, physicians to, you know, treat them with the same level of, of respect. This, you know, what's really exciting about this research is there's just so many potential future studies, you know, kind of looking at, you know, like this switching on a dime. It's really curious to me that the, the men can enjoy these close dynamics. And then when the physician, the male physician kind of switches on a dime to like being more authoritative, they tend to be more tolerant of that. Um, the oh, male yeah. tend to be more tolerant of that. Um, and it, it could be, you know, I suspect because men in our society, you know, sort of gender normatively, gender stereotypes kind of, you know, it's like we expect men to be authoritative and to act with agency and we expect women to be warm and friendly and that sort of thing. And so it's still sort of within character, within gender norms to be able to behave that way. So maybe that's part of the reason why they tolerate it with men and not women. But it'd be interesting. We, you know, there's so many layers of these dynamics that we really want to unpack to understand what's going on. Yeah. And then I'll say also, if you look at what female doctors do offline, so when, when they're on their own and not in the hierarchy of the healthcare workplace, uh, first of all, 70% of my clients ever since I started my coaching practice in 2010 are female. So they tend to recognize their, their own stress and ask for help. And, and secondly, the largest physician support groups in the world are female physician support groups on Facebook, where you have, I think it's 70,000 in the mom, the doctor mom groups. So, so they clash in, in huge numbers. If you look at physician coaching as a profession, there are huge numbers of women going into physician coaching. And in those groups, they establish communities inside their coaching training organizations. So if those same, female physicians who feel these kinds of crossed up pressures and, and mixed behavior expectations and everything at work, when they get together outside of work, they are very, very social. And those communities of social interaction and support for male physicians don't exist mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> and you see that in the larger population too. Remember, Back in the, I think it was in the 90s, there was the men's movement was what was all the rage, right? There's there's a new men's movement and it was crushed within a matter of months. (laughs) 
all of us dancing around fires and things like that. So all of these, I think, have wider gender implications. And I think this is fascinating research. And when you feel as a female physician that you have to modify your personality and behavior to connect better with the nurses, because it's just too painful if you don't, that's status leveling. And the extra work you have to do, that burden is an additional stress that can cause burnout. Yeah. And it just, you know, I don't, I hate to end on a negative note, but I mean, it, it does have these broader implications. I mean, a lot of the nurses or sorry, excuse me, a lot of the uh, women that we talked to, you know, talked about, I had to leave an organization because right. I felt that the nurses just wouldn't cooperate with me or I had sort of inadvertently tanked the relationship with the nurses somehow. And it just made it really miserable for me to right. be in the organization. So I had to change. Um, and some of the people in our sample, not a majority, but they actually cited this as a reason why they might consider leaving the profession because right. it was a big stressor for them. So we didn't look at burnout specifically. I think we this is a, another thing to measure in future studies and sort of establish that relationship empirically. But there's certainly a lot of evidence that, and this is why we use the term burden, right, that is associated with a lot of physical demands on women and a lot of psychological demands that are that make their work more challenging in a context that is already extremely challenging. And in the larger uh, uh, demographics, and, and I'm just going to make a couple more points and then we'll wrap up. Uh, the majority of applicants to medical schools are female now. Mm -hmm. And Nisha Mehta, uh, a physician and friend who operates the two biggest groups on Facebooks for female f physicians and side gigs and things like that. She has a statistic that says 40% of female physicians will go part-time or leave the profession within 10 years of graduating from their residency program. Yeah, yeah. And, and so these, these, uh, this is another new name for another uh, old stress. And uh, I am so grateful that you did this. And so are all on behalf of all the women in our support group. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Status leveling burden. Dr. Teresa Cartador, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Right on, everybody. Keep breathing. Have a great rest of your day. I'll see you on the next podcast.